everyone. Welcome. Glad you're here today. Uh, it's good to be with God's people today. Understand we, uh, we may have some uh, bad weather coming up this afternoon, so let's be in prayer for, for everyone that will be a part of that. Uh, but we're glad that you are here this morning and, uh, and welcome you. We welcome our guests especially today. Uh, you're very important to us, and we're glad that you are here and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God this morning. Uh, a few announcements. First of all, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you would take those and fill them out so we can have a record of your attendance with us this morning. And especially if you would like to receive our email newsletter, please put your email address on there, and we'll put you on the list for that. It's a great way to keep up with our uh, opportunities for service and worship and fellowship here at Community Baptist Church. Uh, a couple of other things that are coming up. Uh, yesterday, we had our last um, upward basketball games and cheerleading for the season, and it's been a great season. Matthew, thanks for, uh, for leading everything and, and uh, uh, getting things organized, and it's been a great season for upward basketball. And I was watching the games yesterday, and I've watched the games all this year, and uh, it's just been remarkable to see that these kids – get it. They really get it. I want to give you a few examples that I saw yesterday of how I know that these kids get it. I looked out here at center court, and I saw a little little boy with Down syndrome out there cheering with his sister. I also saw a boy on one team deliberately pass the ball to a boy on another team who obviously had some physical and mental disabilities uh, so that he could get a chance to shoot the ball. I saw another, uh, on another occasion, I saw a kid pass the ball to somebody on the other team who had rarely made a shot all season long so that they could get the thrill of making a shot and let him make a shot over and over and over again until he got it in. That tells us, folks, that upper basketball is not about basketball. It's about something much deeper than that. So these kids get it, and that's why it's so very, very important for us. Now, that's leading up to an announcement, and that is that Tuesday night, even though our games are over, we, we're not done yet. Tuesday night, we are having our award ceremony right here at 6 o'clock. Uh, we're getting the kids here about 5 o'clock, and the program starts at 6 o'clock. And we could use you here just to be a smiling face and maybe to kind of corral these kids because we're going to have all of these kids here at the same time. That's about 150, 60 kids here at the same time, along with their parents and grandparents and brothers and sisters. So it's going to be organized chaos here for a little bit. Uh, and so we could use your help. So if you can be here just to be a smiling face or to corral some kids, we could use you. Or just come for the program. It'll be a, a wonderful time. Also, um, thanks for uh, Larry and Amy for a great bonfire last night. We had a great time and no incidents. Uh, <laughs> house is still up today, right? <laughs> good, good. Glad for that. Thank you for that. It was, it was a wonderful time. And coming up, on uh, December the 1st, we will be having a, a different kind of program. We've never done this before. It's, it's a Chrismon program at 4 o'clock in the afternoon and followed 
following that, we will uh, the deacons will be hosting an open house reception here. Uh, Chris Mon program. Chris Mon stands for Christ Monogram, and these are some beautiful ornaments that some of you have have helped to make, and they are ornaments. The design of the ornaments are that, that they are ancient symbols of Christ, and we will be decorating the Christmas tree with these symbols, and we will be having a service of readings and and uh, uh, and and songs and and uh, an ex- explanation of what these symbols mean. It's a very me- moving service. We will also, um, if at all possible, we will be having a missions committee meeting this this afternoon. So if you're on the missions committee, that's at 3 o'clock. Now, understand the weather may keep us from doing that because, I mean, we don't want to be dangerous about this. But just keep in mind that the weather... uh, um, yeah, it's raining out there now. Uh, if the weather is bad, we won't meet, but if at all possible, we will meet. And Jika, are we, we're not going to meet for worship, is that right? Or for worship team? No. Okay. She's saying no. All right. We're not going to be work, um, meeting for worship team because I think that weather is coming in right about that time. So playing it by ear, folks, playing it by ear. Okay, we're glad that you're here today, and it's good to share the love of Christ with one another, so let me invite you to do just that. Let's, let's share the peace of, of Christ, the love of Christ with one another. Good morning, everyone. We're going to ask you to remain standing. We're going to have a hymn of fellowship. This first song is one its original song from our group, so we hope you enjoy it. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. 
guys that's great that's a great song isn't it that's great and you know what it fits perfectly with my sermon for today fits perfectly with my sermon today did you plan that okay all right i thought god might have had something to do with it okay i want it but before we uh move on just for your sermon today it took about 10 minutes oh thanks appreciate that randy thanks i appreciate that Uh, we're going to have our responsive reading in just a, just a moment, but before we do that, I want to introduce someone to you. Where is she? There she is. <laughs> there she is. Come on up here, Allie. Uh, this is Allie Yost, and some of you know Allie uh, because they're waving in the back. The, the youth are waving in the back. Uh, some of you know Allie. She's been around here for a little while, a little over a year, some, some, somewhere around there. Uh, Allie is a graduate of the uh, Baptist Seminary of Kentucky. She has a Master of Divinity there. And uh, she came, she started coming to Community Baptist Church about a year ago, a little more, uh, because she sought us out. She was in Evansville taking a uh, unit of clinical pastoral education. And uh, she has finished that unit and now serves as one of the chaplains at. St. Mary's Hospital, and I want you to get to know Allie because as of 
today. She is also the new youth minister here at Community Baptist Church. (laughs) So so welcome, Allie, and we're glad that you're here and uh, welcome you and looking forward to great things as we minister together and serve together. So she's going to lead us today in our responsive reading. Spirit of God, you are the source of renewal, rebirth, and recreation. You focus on what is most broken, all that looks like is beyond repair. With the breath of redemption, you take the tiniest shards of hope and restore them to more than they once were. You do not shy away from horrific valleys, storms, mountains, or dry plains. That moved to where the spirits trip. You know the things for which we thirst and those that make us rise up and dance. You instill us with breath apart from which there is new life. Help us realize that we are mere mortals, and all the wind we can huff and puff into our most desperate situations is not enough until we breathe as one with you. Now breathe the wind of your spirit to the soul of our church until the doors rattle and the foundations shake with the movement of the power. We know that you are the living God. Make us vulnerable to the needs of a broken world. Call us from the nothingness to wholeness, from death to life. Let us listen for your call to rise up and live. Today's scripture reading is Luke twenty three, thirty three through forty three. When they came to the place that is called the skull, they crucified Jesus there with the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they cast lots to divide his clothing. And the people stood by watching. But the leaders scoffed. At him saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Messiah of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged there kept deriding him and saying, Are you not the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed have been condemned justly, for we are getting what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He replied, Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise.
Come on down, children. It's time for children's moment. John, come, come on. lead us today. Good morning. How are you all doing? Come here. Come here. Sit right here. We're going to do something different. Come on over here. Come on, guys. We're going to... Thanks for that music. That's really awesome. We're going to... You know, we always get in the practice of sitting in the same seats all the time. So we're going to do something different. Is that okay? Matter of fact, I'll join you. All right? Y'all doing okay this morning? All right. Well, do y'all like sports? Yes? Do you? I love sports. Well, recently, something came to a close. Do you, have you all ever heard of the World Series baseball? Awesome. Do you know who won the World Series? No? It was the Boston. Yes, Boston Red Sox. <laughs> they all had beards and it looked really, really funny. Well, did you know that there was the very first baseball game? Would you all like to see that very first baseball game? Yes? Yeah? Jake, help me out there, my friend. Hello, fans. This is Harry Carey. Welcome to today's game between the Bethlehem Braves and the Jerusalem Giants. <laughs> kind of a sparse crowd here today, as a plague of locusts has made it tough to get out to the ballpark. <laughs> You can hear the vendors go, hey, manna, get your manna. Who wants bread from heaven? It's hot. It's fresh. It just fell. Hot manna here. <laughs> penance, penance. Our fathers, Hail Marys. Can't get absolution without an act of contrition. Who wants a rosary here? Water. Water. What? Uh-oh. Wine? <laughs> Who wants wine now? Peter looks into Jesus for the sign. Jesus gives him the sign. Holy cow! Peter denies it. <laughs> he gives it to him again. He denies it again. Once more. That's three times and Jesus is out to give Peter a sermon on the mouth. <laughs> Jesus, of course, the big hero in yesterday's game, came up in the bottom of the ninth with the Braves down three to nothing and hit a basis empty grand slam. <laughs> and we haven't had a miracle like that since we had fishes and loaves night. <laughs> I had a chance to talk with the Savior after the game, and this is what he had to say. When I heard the ball was on the outside part of the play, I was not trying to make contact. First of all, I want to thank my father for loading the bases. Muchas gracias, señor. And I said the Holy Ghost for bringing up the double play. Back to live action. It goes on for about six minutes. Okay. I highly recommend that you sit down with your parents and listen to this in its entirety. Okay. Because there are some things in there that are related directly to the Bible. And that's the whole thing. You can tie in the Bible with your life every day. So, would you bow your head with me and so I'll say a prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for our wonderful youth. 
welcome to our new director. Uh, may you look over our children. Please give us the humility and the generosity and the intelligence to lead our youth. We say this in your name, Jesus Christ. Amen. You can go ahead and follow Kelsey, okay?
Let's pray. Thank you, dear Lord, that your word is true and that your promises never fail. Thank you for meeting our needs when we live for you each day. Help us to understand that little can become much when you are in it. We have more than we need. I pray as we joyfully and generously share the rest. Amen.
grace finds us. Um, how many of you remember when those letters WWJD were all the rage? You remember that? You know, uh, there for a while they were everywhere. They were on bracelets, they were on key rings, and on just about anything else that you could slap a logo on, there were those letters WWJD, standing, of course, for what would Jesus do? A very noble thing there. But later on, when these bracelets really started to catch on and take off there, some, some people came up with some other kinds of bracelets. For example, there was a bracelet that had WWPMD. This was for quarterbacks. What would Peyton Manning do? And then there was WWMSD for homemakers. What would Martha Stewart do? And then for, for teens, there was just W, which stood for whatever. <laughs> or what's up? You, you, you take your pick there. And then there was the bracelet for those of us who are getting up in, in years, uh, NWDIPTBO. Now, why did I put this bracelet on? Well, if Christians of the first century had worn a bracelet, it would probably have said WDJDC, standing for Why Did Jesus Die on a Cross? You see, this was a big question that they had to struggle with. How could the Messiah, the chosen one of God, be put to death? in such a cruel fashion. Now, our scripture lesson for today might seem a bit strange for this time of the year. I mean, Thanksgiving is just a little over a week away, and Advent begins right on the heels of Thanksgiving. And, and I have to confess to you this morning that I'm taking a little bit of liberty with the church year this week, and here's why. Next Sunday in the church year is known as Christ the King Sunday. And I think it's very important to preach on the topic of Christ the King. 
But as happens so often, Christ the King Sunday also happens to be on the Sunday before Thanksgiving. And I think it's also very important to be reminded and to remind you of the need to always be thankful. And so with all due respect to those who set the church calendar, I am moving Christ the King Sunday to today because I want my cake and eat it too. I want to be able to preach to you about Christ the King and also to to preach about the importance of giving thanks, which I'll do next week. So we're kind of moving things around a little bit. And our scripture for Christ the King Sunday, which is next week, but this week, (laughs) it's about the death of our king. And so today we turn to the scene of Jesus' crucifixion where we see most starkly what his kingship really was all about. And the lesson begins like this. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Now let's stop right there. He was crucified between two criminals. I think that this is the first clue as to what Christ's kingship is all about. He was crucified between two criminals. The gospel writers use different words to describe these criminals. Matthew and Mark call them thieves. But Luke uses a word that means members of the criminal class, professional criminals, if you will, members of the the underworld. And so these guys were thugs, perhaps even cutthroat killers. In other words, they were anything but saints. These were not good people. And some people are, are horrified by the fact that the Son of Man would die in the presence of men like these, in company of, of, of men like these who are dying alongside him. Some people are horrified by that. It's so dishonorable. But you know what? I think that this is the most appropriate thing in the world. Because you see, these were the kinds of people that Jesus came to save. On one occasion, he said, I have come to seek and to save that which is lost. On another occasion, he declared that the well have no need for a physician, but those who are sick. So you see, these are the people that Jesus gave his life for. And we need to remember that. Jesus didn't come to benefit good people. He came to benefit those who have a hard time being good. And that, may be, and that may include you and me. And we need to re- remind ourselves of that every time we are tempted to look down on another human being. Because, folks, Jesus doesn't look down on anyone. Jesus looks upon them as a brother or a sister who needs help. Many of you are familiar with the well-known British actor Michael Caine. Michael Caine wrote a book several years ago in which he described how he fought his way out of a a poor South London neighborhood to pursue his dream uh, of becoming an actor. Back in the 60s and 70s, he became a huge hit, a huge star, both in Great Britain and in the United States. But on one visit back to London, he was saddened 
by the news that his younger brother, Stanley, hadn't been heard from in months. So Cain began to search for him, contacting his old friends, hoping that somebody knew where, where he was, but nobody had a clue. Well, after a while, Cain happened to go into a, a local furniture store where he bought a sofa, and it was delivered to his house by two workmen wearing dirty, shabby clothing, and that's when Cain recognized that one of the workmen was his brother, Stanley. Stanley had fallen on hard times, and so Michael took his brother home and helped him get back on his feet. And that's what you do for a brother or a sister that you love, isn't it? You help them get back on their feet. And folks, that's exactly what Jesus, how Jesus regards every person here on this earth as a brother or a sister. And if one of these brothers or sisters has fallen on hard times, it's not in Jesus' nature to judge them. Rather, it is his nature to reach out a hand to help them. You see, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. John three seventeen. And that's what he expects out of each of us as well, who call ourselves by his name. We're not here to judge our brothers and sisters who fall upon hard times. Our calling is simply to reach out a helping hand. And, and we don't have to wait until, they, they, until we think they deserve such help. Christ didn't wait for us. Paul said that God shows his love for us in that while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. He didn't wait for us to straighten ourselves out. So what does our text say about what kind of king Jesus was? It says, When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with two criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. But look at what it says next. It says, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Now, who was Jesus talking about here? Who was Jesus asking forgiveness for? Well, obviously, he was probably talking about those who put him up on that cross. For example, he was praying for the soldiers who cruelly tortured him and crucified him and were preparing to gamble for his clothing. Even as he hung up on that cross, the soldiers mocked him If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself, they said. But he was also probably praying for the crowd. The crowd of people who were standing around mocking him. He saved others, they taunted. Let him save himself if he's really God's Messiah. And then there were the religious leaders who instigated the crucifixion. Pilate thought that he was innocent and wanted to turn him loose, but the religious authorities led the crowds and, and, and led them into a frenzy, getting them to shout, Crucify him! Crucify him! So I'm sure he was asking for forgiveness for these crowds of people who surely didn't know what they were doing. But I think there were probably others who Jesus was praying for as well. You see, I believe that 
Jesus was also praying for everyone in history who has ever acted cruelly, who has ever lashed out in anger, who has ever caused someone pain. I mean, what is there within the human heart that causes us to lash out in hatred and in violence and even even within our own households? Why do husbands and wives abuse one another? Why do parents slap their and belittle their their own precious children? What is there in the human heart that causes us to act with such cruelty? Why has every generation in history demonstrated man's inhumanity against man and woman? Why did Hitler have to exterminate six million Jews before the rest of the world rallied to stop him? And why did Germany, an alleged Christian nation, why did they allow the Nazis to come into power in the first place? And for that matter, why in this country were Native Americans forced to march across our land in the infamous Trail of Tears as European Americans stole their property, their land? And why did the evils of slavery require the senseless slaughter of innocent young men and women from the North and the South in our nation's most costly war before slavery was made illegal? And even more in recent times, why were four little African-American girls slaughtered in a church bombing in 1963 in Birmingham, Alabama? Why have innocent people been persecuted even in modern days because of the color of their skin or their gender or their sexual orientation? And why are we even now forced to put armed guards in our schools? And for that matter, why is bullying such a matter of great concern in every, nearly every school today? Why is it always that way, that the innocents, innocents have to experience such cruelty before the will and the way of the guilty is broken? Will it ever change? I don't know. I don't know. Because there's just something wrong in the human heart. So you see, it, it was not just the hearts of the Romans that Jesus was talking about. And it was not just the hearts of the religious authorities or the crowds or the Nazis or the white supremacists or the school bullies. There was something, there is something wrong in the heart of every person who has ever lived on this earth. Any one of us, given the right circumstances, is capable of unspeakable harm. Any one of us, given the right circumstances, might have been in that crowd yelling, crucify him, if we felt that our religion was threatened, or our rights, or our economic well-being, or our personal self-image. And so you see, that old spiritual rings very true when it says, were you there when they crucified my Lord? And the truth of the matter is that, yeah, we all were. Isaiah said it 550 years before Jesus was even born. He said he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes 
we are healed. So who was Jesus praying for when he prayed, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing? He was praying for us, all of us. For you see, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So that's the second thing that the Scripture tells us about the reign of Christ. He forgave his enemies. But, of course, he was just living out what, what he taught. He taught the people. He, he said, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you something different. I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you so that you might be children of the Father in heaven. He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. But let's finish our lesson. They divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and even the rulers sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he is God's Messiah. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar, sour wine, and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And there was written a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Then save yourself. And while you're at it, save us. But the other criminal rebuked the first criminal. He said, Don't you fear God? You are under the same sentence here. You are dying on the cross just like he is, just like I am. But we are punished justly. We're getting what we deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me. In paradise. Here's the third thing that our lesson tells us about Jesus. He made us a promise. He hung there on that cross while those soldiers and the crowd mocked him. They placed a notice above his head that read in derision, this is the king of the Jews. They didn't know it was really true. Even one of the criminals being crucified with him mocked him, but the other criminal rebuked him. And then the second criminal turned to Jesus and made this request, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And you know, that was pretty amazing when you think about it. As Ray Pritchard has noted, somehow this man saw Jesus bleeding and naked and hanging on that cross beside him. And yet he believed that he would someday come into his kingdom. No one looked less like a king than Jesus did on that day. And yet this man saw him as he really was, the Son of God. And this is made even more amazing when you consider that this man had none of the advantages of the other disciples. Because he had probably never even heard Jesus teach. He never saw Jesus heal the sick or raise the dead. He didn't know about Jesus' parables. He never saw any of his miracles. 
This man missed all of the outward signs of Jesus' kingship, yet he still believed. He didn't know about the virgin birth or the Old Testament prophecies or the raising of Lazarus. He didn't know anything about the coming miracle of resurrection. All of these things that we take for granted, he knew nothing about. And yet there on that cross, he came to understand the heart of the gospel. And in the face of this crucified Jesus, beaten, mocked, forsaken, tortured, with his lifeblood flowing from him, this thug looked upon him and saw a king. And so he said to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And that's our prayer as well. You see, none of us deserves to enter into Christ's kingdom, not on our own merit. None of us. Our only hope is our connection with Christ. Remember me, Lord, when you come into your kingdom. And at this point, Jesus made him a promise, but not only to him, but to all of us who call upon the name of Christ for salvation. Truly, I tell you, this day you will be with me in paradise. Now, I think the meaning of that phrase is self-evident. You see, the moment this criminal died, he would be in the presence of God, not because of anything that he did, not because he deserved being there. If anything, he deserved something totally different. We won't go there. That's another sermon. But he was in the presence of God because of God's free gift of eternal life. And that's the promise that you and I hang on to every time we ponder our own mortality. Every time we stand beside the grave of one of our loved ones. It's a promise that allows us to carry on with our lives even when life comes crashing down around us. Today you will be with me in paradise. So what kind of king is Jesus? Well, here it is. He's the kind of king who leaves his throne to die between two criminals. He's the kind of king who forgives his enemies. He's the kind of king who makes a promise to everyone who will turn to him, no matter what we may have done. Truly, I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. What kind of king is Jesus? He's the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He loves us more than our own parents. He forgives us even when we have sinned against him and driven the nails into his hands. And he has made it possible for us to live with him forever in his kingdom of love. So, my friends, the question that I have for you today is this. Don't you want him to be your king as well? You can. All you have to do is recognize who Jesus is and ask him, as this thug did, 
on the cross. Remember me, Lord, when you come into your kingdom. Amen. We're going to sing together a hymn of response. We're going to give you an opportunity to respond today to God's work in your life. We're going to sing an old hymn, a great hymn, the old rugged cross, number 141. And it's about what happened to Jesus on that cross. It's about the love that Jesus portrayed there, even for those who put him there, that he would love his enemies, that he would forgive them. And if he would do that for them, do you think he would do that for us? I think so. God loves you more than anything else in the world. And it doesn't matter what you've done in your life. God is ready to forgive you and to love you and welcome you into the family of God's kingdom. And so if you've never made that commitment to Christ to make him your king, your Lord, you can do that today simply by saying, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Accept him as your Savior. Accept him as your Lord, your King. And make that the driving purpose of your life. And God will bless you in this life with life abundant. And God will bless you in the life to come with eternity in his kingdom. If you want to make that commitment today, we invite you to. If you'd like to unite with our church today, we invite you to. If you would like to pray together today, I invite you to come, and I'll pray with you. If God's dealing in your heart in any way, come as we sing number 141, the old rugged cross. Would you come?
Oh God, we rejoice that you have brought us to this place today. We have, become, we have come because we need you. And you have not failed to permeate our souls. Make us strong, O God, with the strength that comes from your glorious power. Prepare us to endure everything with patience while joyfully giving thanks to you. You have transferred us into the kingdom of your beloved Son, Jesus. And now, Lord, as we leave this place, let us be your kingdom people following very closely to our King Jesus. Amen.